Today on Catfish Best Source, we step away from catfishing once again. We talk to a guy with an amazing career, and we just talk fishing in general. Today, we have from Destination Fish, Mr. John Thielen from the studios of Grand Forks Best Source. Welcome to Catfish Best Source, presented by Half Brothers Brewing. I'm your host, Brad Derrick as I am every week. As always, joined by producer Dale. Thank you for joining us. This is coming up. We have a couple more weeks left of our Super Clean Degreaser Contest. All you have to do to get a sample pack of Super Clean is simply go onto the Brad Derrick Outdoors Facebook page, find the pinned post with the Super Clean logo, and type river in the keywords to be entered. About the easiest internet contest you're ever going to enter. Don't forget we got a couple of tournaments coming up here on the red that are open for entry right now. We have the Catfish Capital Challenge in Drayton that is now open. You can register online at catfishdrayton.com or just simply find me if you're in the Grand Forks, East Grand Forks area. We also have the Moorhead Catfish Tournament down in Moorhead on July 8th, the one-day tournament. That can be registered at i29classic.com. Tonight, from our sponsor, Half Brothers, we bring back one that is now permanently on the tap, the Lumberjack Snack Red Ale. Been waiting all day to have this one. This one was brought out, I believe, as kind of a special. Cheers to my audience. I believe this was going to be a special run, and it was very popular, and it is now a permanent fixture on the tap at Half Brothers. Speaking of Half Brothers, you already know I'm having a Lumberjack Snack Red Ale from our friends and presentation sponsors, Half Brothers Brewing. These guys that are awesome at making beer, they have me enjoying brews that I never thought I'd much care for. I find myself liking IPAs and sours, but I still love the classics, such as Classic Ale, Nodak 23. There are so many more I can't even remember offhand, and they change weekly, so there's always something new to try. Like them on social media, get the lowdown of what's new each week. New beers are produced, are released on Fridays. I also want to tell you about the Tap Room downtown on North 3rd Street. Do yourself a favor. If you're in the Grand Forks area, head down there, try one of the many beers, and hang out with your friends. Even bring the kids. Families and kids are welcome at Half Brothers. Enjoy pizza, pizza rolls, nachos, and oh my God, the pretzel bites. I have a reunion coming up, and it will be over there. I can't wait to get into those pretzel bites. Check them out on the web, halfbrothersbrewing.com, or stop by the tap room on North 3rd Street in Grand Forks. Thunder Rays Auto Repair. Everyone has a car or truck. We need a repair at one time or another. May I recommend Thunder Rays Auto Repair in Grand Forks? Ray is a friend of the show and a friend of catfishing, and when he started his own shop, we just knew he would be great. Just drive by that shop anytime. There's always full of cars, and that tells me that they are doing good. Our family's taken all of our service to Ray's since he opened the shop. Ray's fixes all makes and models of vehicle. Besides fixing your car, I mention this every week, he can fix trailer bearings, boat trailers, whatever you need, and get any tires rotated, balanced, and installed that you want. From oil changes, tire changes, brakes, starters, alternators, electrical, and every other thing you can imagine for your car, even just maintenance. And they can restore your muscle car. If you're on fast, honest service on your vehicle, think Rays. Thunder Rays on North Washington, Grand Forks. For more information or to make your appointment, thunderrays.com. Dale, introduce our video. Oh, there's John. Our video isn't working like it, so there we go. Oh, volume. Big cat. 
Give me an estimate on that, Brad. I don't have scale in the boat. I give me give me an estimate. I would say this is between 16 and 17 pounds. And that's that's considered a big fish here, right? Everybody's striving for the 20 plus. Okay. But to be realistic, we go through a lot of 16, 17s. Yep. This is the fish that you're after every day. Of course, you know, if you caught Mr. Wonderful every day, it wouldn't be near as fun. Well, it would right. be, but you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, and you're not going to get 8 to 10 pound walleyes every day either. All right, big boy. Here we go. Let's get you turned that way. So That's a pretty fish there. Down. Look at that. Look at that. Man, that is good stuff. Public water, nobody here. The ability, if you want to do this, to come here and fish it. On top of that, you know, you, you could try to do it yourself and you can do it. You're just driving the river looking for holes or you get a hold of a guy like Brad. And I'll tell you what, you're gonna catch fish. I mean, it was like, it, and it was a typical day this. From Destination Fish, may I welcome Mr. John Thielen. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, how are you? Uh, there, we got the video turned off. I don't think you could see it, but I ran the clip of that about 17 pounder from the show we shot in September. Man, I'll to tell introduce you. What, that, you. That was one heck of a fun day. It was when I look back on the filming last summer, I would call that potentially the funnest day of the year. That was that was a great time. And and you know, I mean, ultimately, whenever I get a chance to go fish a species that I don't normally fish. And then have this opportunity to catch big fish like that, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, that was that was awesome. I thank you for that day because it was just a ball, and I've told the story of the day multiple times since the TV show aired, and, and folks got to see that. Well, it was, it, was, it was fun. That's the first TV show I've shot in a long time just because of how media is changing. And it was fun to get you out who don't do it very often. And we had the whole river, and I'd been saving it for a while, so no one had fished any of the waters we were in for, I don't know, probably a week before we got to them. So we had completely private fishing that whole day. Yeah, you know, I mean, when there's not many places that I fish in the United States, no matter where you go, that you can spend a day catching the quality of fish we, ca we caught, catch the numbers of fish we caught, and not see another boat. I mean, to me, I, I just laugh at that because it's amazing the fishery you guys have right under everybody's noses there. And we had that whole river to ourselves. And, and it was good river conditions. I mean, it was a few feet high, but it's not as if there shouldn't have been people out there. There should have been a lot of people out there. Um, I, I look at that whole thing and, and man, you've just got a you've just got a jewel there. I think the river conditions that day were about as perfect they could be, especially with that larger Lumacraft that you run. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it takes a little we, more we water than I need. <laughs> well, it was a little bit different, boat, you know. <laughs> it it forced Brad to change a little bit, you know, move a few things around. But I'll, I'll tell you what, it all worked itself out just fine. Well, you know, you said that, and we're going to talk about you know where you came from, and you've been a guide. When you take a guide out of his element and put him in some other element, he's lost because everything gets so automatic on a day-to-day -day basis over a whole season. Yeah, I, I, I get it. it. You know, and I'm a fish out of water when I get out of my boat and get in somebody else's boat, and it doesn't happen that often, but, but I, I mean, I get twitchy. I mean, I, I have a hard time getting in somebody else's boat 
and not being in control of the boat, not driving. You know, that day when we were out, Brad drove the boat all day, for those of you who haven't seen the show. Um, but uh, I, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it is something else when you got to get out of your boat and you got you to gotta adapt. But, it, I, you know, stop and think about it. How many fish would we have caught if we were in your boat where you had everything the way you wanted it? It would have probably been about the same. It's just the setup would have been a little bit quicker just because yeah. I knew where everything was. And, I mean, I've shot a lot of TV, not as much as you, but there's always setup and teardown with every move in what we do to get the right shots and get the film rolling properly. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, uh, you, well, I mean, a great example. Look at those last two fish we caught. You know, end of the day, we got a double with two big ones. And, you know, the drone was in the air, but for the most part, the other camera equipment was torn down. Our camera guys had taken everything down. We were wrapped up for the day. Drone was still up getting some stuff, and we double up on what do you think those were, 18, 19 pounds. Oh, one of them was well over 20, positive. Yeah, I, I, so I, I tell people all the time, it was so much easier to just go fishing and have everything go right when I was just going fishing. When you're filming, the whole world's a different world, and and things are just different. And ultimately, man, still, what a great day. What a, what a great day it was. Well, that was fun. I, I hope, hopefully you had enough fun. You come back again in a year or two and we'll try it all over uh, again. You know, actually I'm planning <laughs> on, we're going to be talking about trying to find a space in your schedule for this summer, because I think we'll come back and just do a different time of year. Show everybody, you know, what that river can be in the springtime or midsummer, you know, last year, what was it? Early September, maybe yep, even. Yep. In a high water year. So it fished yeah, just like summer. There was no, it was pretty much fishing just like a good summer. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just if it's, if it's something you haven't done, I, I would encourage anybody to go do it because, man, I, I just had a flat out ball. I, mean, I, I was, I was talking to people on the way home, stopping at a gas station, sending pictures to people on the way home saying, check this out. You got to go do it. I mean, it was, it was just a great time. I got to tell the audience, you got a little upset when I pulled my phone out of my pocket. And you go, no cell phones, but this is our timer. This is how we know when to go. <laughs> <laughs> and you worked it yeah, into the show. <laughs> I, I promise you. And it, it actually happened with the timer one time where we caught a fish and the timer went off while I was reeling on that fish. And, and Brad had to explain to me, what what is it set at? About 20 minutes? Something like that. I think we were running. There's, there's a time frame that, that Brad's got that says we got to catch, we're going to catch fish within this amount of time. And, and uh, I got it if it didn't happen all day long. I've, I don't have a explanation, but for whatever reason, catfish follow a clock. And it, if one will follow it, generally the rest of them will follow it the same day. And I've, yeah. I've been riding those timers for years. Because I mean, and it's not always twenty minutes. It can be thirty. I've you know seen it after a huge storm up to an hour. But for whatever reason, it seems like they follow the clock. And you keep that timer rolling and tweak it occasionally. You you stay mobile and you kind of know when they're going to bite. And it was a perfect example. They did it to us all day that day. Yeah, and it, you know, I think about you doing that with your catfish, and then I think back to my tournament days. You know, I used to have to do things like that or my own patience level. Because a lot of times it's so easy to, to be somewhere for 10 minutes and say, I'm just not feeling it. Well, and that's me. But that's why it started is because, especially if I'm alone, 
my ADD just gets jumpy after sure. 10 minutes and I got to scoot, but the fish aren't always ready for me to yep. scoot. Yep. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I've, I've seen it with walleye fishing. Sometimes it's, it's like, it just takes them a little bit of time to find that bait. And if you don't give them enough time to find it, you're just running all day. And I think that's, you know, watching you do that with the catfish while we were in the boat really is similar to what I might go through walleye fishing, whether it was guiding tournament fishing or, or now TV. Um, sometimes you just got to give them time to find it because as much as we want to say we're chasing fish, once you pick a spot, you got to understand that it might take them a few minutes to find that bait and then activate, get active. Well, the unfortunate part is we figured out in the last spot that they were actually sitting a little tighter than we'd given them credit for all day. I mean, we were in teardown mode, which was why we were even still there when the best two fish of the day bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, but it was cool because the drone was in the air and got the whole thing live. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's, yeah, it was great. It, it worked itself out as, as well as you could have asked for it. So, there uh, were fish, there were fish that day that didn't make the show because we had so many catfish that day of quality. And I wanted to, you know, that first fish I showed, I think that was, you know, a simple little eight pounder, you know, but I wanted that fish in the show from the standpoint of just to show everybody, you know, the year classes of fish that are in there and what's coming, because that's one thing I think is really cool too. And I thought about this a lot driving home is you guys have a fishery that is self-sustaining here. And I could see it throughout the day as we caught fish of different year classes. And that's a cool thing because so often in the walleye world, in, in other game fish world, there's so much pressure on them that they have to be managed so tightly to keep your classes in line. Where what I saw with you guys there, holy smokes, you, you've just got natural recruitment that's happening and a whole bunch of your classes coming through and that's going to provide for years of great. Absolutely. And I think we're starting to see more smaller fish. And I tell customers, this isn't a bad thing. It just means we're going to have more bigger fish later. And we've been seeing fish off and on, I mean, putting walleye jigs down and whatever, from three inches to the monsters that we caught. And a couple of weeks ago on this show, we had Nick Clute from the DNR at the Detroit Lakes office, and he was talking about the netting surveys they did up and down the red this summer and he said in the textbooks the perfect balance of recruitment age and distribution you get a perfect graph and he said nowhere in fisheries when you do these studies do you ever find a perfect one and he goes 2023 in the red river we found a perfect one he said first time i've ever seen it to the textbooks they taught us about so that tells us we're in really good shape for a fishery as far as that goes yeah yeah well i'll tell you what i i was utterly impressed with it like i say i get to fish in a lot of places for a lot of species so it's let's speak of that to me how how quiet that river was and how great the fishing it's, it's not always that quiet but that time of year it usually is especially on weekdays and and you know, I bet you there was a few boats out after we left because there usually is. But for the most part, you get out there early in the day. And as far away as we were, it's pretty rare to see somebody on a weekday. Sure. So I want to back up a step um, like I do with anybody new I bring on this show. Uh, I just like to 
visit about what got you where you are. I mean, tell us how you started out growing up as a kid in Minnesota to go through all these different jobs you've had, which we'll talk about a little, to get to Destination Fish. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a long and sometimes undistinguished story. <laughs> it, it's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of years. It's been a lot of meeting a few of the right people at the right time, some people giving me a break, and, and then catching a few of the right fish at the time. And I know that sounds really corny, but... No, it doesn't, picture. actually. I have notes about it for later in the show. I well, mean, sometimes you need a little bit of luck. And and I've had some, and I've had that help along the way as well. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Anoka, Minnesota, and, and that is a really unique place, if you're familiar with it, because the Rum River comes right through downtown Anoka, and it dumps into the Mississippi River. So ironically, what we did in the summertime as kids was we rode our bikes to the Rum River Dam and we caught carp and we caught suckers and we caught occasional smallmouth. We just went fishing. And, you know, that's back in the day and the day when kids just went fishing. You know, we didn't have cell phones. We jumped on our bikes and, and we rode to the river and we fished. And, and we did the same thing all around the Mississippi River. We had certain areas along the river that were public that we could fish. And, and I really, I'll, I'll tell you that in a lot of respects, I learned a lot back then as a kid that I didn't know I was learning at the time. I thought I was just throwing out a hook and corn, or I just, I thought I was just tossing a MEPS inline spinner out there and reeling it back. But, you know, you learned a lot about river fishing and smallmouth bass and, and even walleyes. Um, as I grew up, I, I you know, I, I spent my entire life there in Minoka, um, through high school and I played hockey in high school. And when, when that came to an end, I did not go to college. Um, I, I just, I, I was the outdoors guy. I, I wanted to do something else. And I still have this hunger for that competition that hockey had given me back growing up through my youth and into high school. And, and tournament fishing was just a natural fit for me. And tournament fishing back then was so big. I mean, there were there were Lions Club tournaments that were drawing 100 boats on Mille Lacs Lake. And there were, you know, Osakis, Minnesota had a huge Lions Club tournament. And it wasn't as much the circuit style stuff that it is today. It was it was standalone bigger tournaments. Could you give us uh, like a year range in when this was going on? Oh, geez, I suppose I was probably, it was probably late 1990s. So I, I actually have a enlarged photocopy of the first check that I ever cashed at a tournament. And it was a third place finish in the North American Wall Anglers down on the, down on the Mississippi River with a buddy of mine, Pat Hess. And uh, that was 1997. So I fished a lot of those, those, you know, standalone smaller tournaments and started to have just enough success that I decided in, in this time frame now, I was, I was working in corporate America and I kind of worked my way up the ladder at a, at a company named Boise Office Products. And I was, I was doing pretty well tournament fishing on the weekends and, and I, I just had this desire to do a little bit more. And I called Jim Kalkafen at, uh, at the Professional Walleye Trail 
And he said, you know what, John, you need to fish co-angler amateur for a year. And uh, we'll see if we, we come up with some openings and, and we'll get to know you a little bit. And I went and did that. And, I mean, that's a whole different world. Anybody who thinks that going in fishing pro is the same as fishing your local tournaments um, or your standalone stuff or your smaller circuits, you know, you got to go see what this really is because the whole different world, I mean, there's, it's, everybody's good. There's nobody there who's not good. Fortunately, I was able to get in in 2003. Um, I got in, I sat at a rookie meeting. There were, there were eight or nine of us in the rookie meeting and Jim Kelkfin said, look around the room, guys. The average is that after three years, only two of you will be left. Um, I'll never forget three or four years later, I was the only one left from that group. I had been fortunate enough to, you know, cash a check a year, you know, have at least one big finish a year that kept me going, kept me hanging on. And I, and I just kept getting a little bit better because one thing that happens is you're going to waters all over the country that locals aren't allowed into those tournaments back in that day. The in fisherman professional walleye trail was far different than tournaments are today where even the pro tournaments have openings that locals can get in. And um, we would go to Bull Shoals, Arkansas, and none of us had ever been there. Well, by the time I was at Bull Shoals for the third time, I kind of understood it. And, you know, if you look at my progression of all the times I was at Bull Shoals, the first time there, I finished like 105th. Second time there, I cashed a low-end check in 38th. And the third time there in 2008, I almost won the thing. I was in third after day one, ended up finishing that tournament sixth, took some chances on day three trying to win it. But the longevity of it that I was able to keep in the game helped me just keep getting better and keep getting better. And in 08, well, in 07 and 08, I made the championship, finished ninth in the Western Division in 07. And in 08, in the Angler of the Year race, I finished fifth. And it, uh, it was a great run, and um, that was the end of my professional tournament fishing. Though I, I in 08, I decided that it was it was time to move on. I had some other opportunities arise, and you know we talked a little bit in the boat about this in in 2007. Lindy Fishing Tackle was purchased by Pradco Fishing. Pradco Fishing owns 18, 19 brands. There's all kinds of them, and. I was fortunate enough that I was with Lindy. Ted Taksaki had signed me to a sponsorship deal in 2007. And I kind of went along with the sale. And one thing led to another. And I progressed through a lot of positions at Pradco over the years. Um, I served in marketing roles for the Lindy brand. Um, national sales manager. Spent most of my time on airplanes at that point. Um, but it, it was great time. It, it, it was something I would never, never give up, never do different. And then I, uh, served as brand manager, product development, along with the national sales manager stuff right up until December of last year. So 13, 14 months ago now, um, I resigned all of that down at Pradco, but they have stayed on as a major sponsor of Destination Fish. And in between all that, I had hosted Fish Ed TV for eight years. Well, we're gonna... And that was a partnership with Red Coast. So, now, you sold boats so, somewhere in there, too, didn't you? 
What's that? You sold boats in there somewhere too, didn't you? I did. Back at the beginning in 2003 through 2005, I sold boats for Dan Southside Marine, Alumacraft boats, and, um, you know, built those relationships. And, you know, it's funny. We were talking about this the other day with the folks at, at Alumacraft. We're going on 25 years now that I've been partners with Alumacraft boats. And that's one of the things I can say I'm most proud of in in what I've been able to do in the industry is the longevity that I've had with companies, you know, Minn Kota and Humminbird, you know, man, I don't even know, 13, 14 years. And we're going to talk about that time. pretty in depth after we come back from the break. In fact, we're going to jump right to the break because I think you're leading us in perfectly to the second segment. I just got to find the Brothers Firearms here. Brothers Firearms Shop, located in Grand City's Mall. They buy, sell, and trade new and used firearms. Brothers has you got you covered with anything you need, from tons of firearms, silencers, all the way to flamethrowers. John can't see it, but the viewers can see that there's a flamethrower behind me. Brothers Firearms is also veterans-owned. Check out Brothers Firearms in the Grand City's Mall in Grand Forks, open Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Saturdays, noon to 4. Brothers Firearms, protecting America since 2015. BrothersFirearmsShop.com They'll roll that beautiful snowblower footage. Hey, if you move snow with a skid steer, you've got to see the muskox difference. A patented back drag feature allows operators to blow snow while back dragging in front of obstructions. You know, garage doors, siding, and fire hydrants. Now this saves time and money while lowering injury risk by decreasing manual labor. The optional dual auger, called the dually, helps the operator eat through big snowfalls, ice-crusted snow, and blow more snow while back dragging. And the glide plate, it allows you to glide over grass and gravel without ripping up the soft surfaces. Subsequently, create an instant torque of the lower cutting edge to break up snow and ice to better expose hard surfaces. See the muskox difference. Go to muskox.com or Facebook at muskox snowblowers or call 218-288-1905. See the difference for yourself. It's the muskox difference. Okay, before we went to that, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of your story. When you talked about living by the river and catching fish in the river. Now, I'm a late-to-life angler, so I didn't have that, but I fished the river a lot. Do you agree or disagree that fishing in the river at that point in your life made you a better angler overall, dealing with the currents and the changes and the ups and the downs and just purely how fish react? Yeah, I absolutely do. You know, I I was a guide on Lake Mille Lacs, so, you know, still waters, but but when I look back to my professional walleye trail days, some of my best finishes were on river systems, whether it was Lake Pepin, whether it was Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, I, on the on the St. Mary's River, um, or Chamberlain, South Dakota on the Missouri River. I, I always I always felt like I understood where fish would be because of that. Because I can tell you when I when I said earlier. I'm not sure what I was, I wasn't sure what I was learning back then. All I knew is if I cast to that fallen tree in the right spot, I would catch smallmouth every time. If I didn't cast to the right spot, I wouldn't catch them. Now, fast forward from being 10 years old, riding my huffy up to the river with a fishing rod and a tackle box in my hand on the handlebars. Fast forward to today or not long after that, maybe into my 20s, where I realized 
there was slack water there. There was an eddy because of that fallen tree. And that's why that smallmouth was always there when I would cast there. So absolutely, Brad. I, I think I've always said that on a lake, you take a Malach Lake, you put 120 good anglers out there and anybody can win. The local doesn't have the advantage that the, that the good river fisherman or the local river fisherman has on a river. And it's because most people never grasp those types of things. And I didn't know what I was learning at the time. No, so but I bet you it, at some point I, I you had the ah moment. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yeah. we were doing. Right, right. Because <laughs> I still yeah. have those occasionally. I, I listened to you in the boat last summer. And, and, you know, we were looking for similar stuff, you know. And, and fish, fish are predictable. Fish are just predictable. They're going to look for places where they can ambush bait. And ultimately, you know, rivers provide a little bit of a telltale for you versus lake where they're not going to just spread out everywhere on a lake. They're going to be on currents. They're going to be at current breaks. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it made a big difference. Let's take an advantage right there and talk about our friends from Humminbird and how we utilize the map the day we shot together. I mean, you just explained what holds fish and that map that I had built in, and brought with showed us exactly where those fish are. And still to, to this day, and I've said it on this show a whole bunch, to me, that is the greatest technological advance there's been, is the ability to make maps in the unmapped. Yeah, I, I think in general, if you look at the last, my lifetime in fishing, or your lifetime, Brad, we're in the same neighborhood of age, I might be a little bit older. Here's what I'll tell you, I think. I think mapping as a whole, whether it's, Maps that come from Lake Master in your Humminbird or maps you make have been the greatest advancement in fishing. I hear a lot of people talk about mega live forward-facing sonar and saying that's the biggest thing. I don't think so. I think it's maps. Maps taught us all where fish lived, and they, they helped us replicate it over and over and over. We can pick bodies of water apart now that – we couldn't. When I was a kid, my dad and I would go to Mille Lacs, and I remember aimlessly drifting wherever we could find a group of boats. And we would catch a few fish. There's nothing aimless about today's world when you look at what you can do with that hummingbird and, and that Lake Master map. And, you know, that map you made of the river showing us where all those holes are, that's, I mean, you can't put a price on that. And, and the lake I live on in northern Minnesota, I've made a map of this lake. And I can tell you there's days I'm fishing spots that I see people drive by other locals that live on the lake and I know who they are and they're looking at me wondering why I'm there. But it's because they haven't made a map and they don't know that there's just a little boulder pile the size of the desk I'm sitting at that's holding a dozen walls. Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. It's just huge. I mean, I drove by the best catfish bite in the whole state of North Dakota for about a decade before I had the map to figure it out. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, you said it again. You, you used a line that I love, replicate, replicate, replicate. It helps you find the pattern, find what's going on. And then in the case of the maps that I built, they're color-coded. You find light blue in that certain break line, you just boom, 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 boom. It doesn't even matter if you've never fished there before. If it's light blue and has that current, it's going to hold fish. Yeah. Or yellow or whatever that color of the depth may be that day. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at today's hummingbirds. 
um, you can actually, when you make those maps, if, if you're on a natural lake and you're looking for that transition line between hard and soft bottom, you can actually find that now too, because they've got all this different stuff built in now that it's not just drawing you a contour line. You can actually see bottom hardness. You can see all kinds of stuff. I know what's in there, but I will tell you the Red River gives you soft and softer. <laughs> There's no transition You've got line. Soft <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, that... I, I agree with you. I think I think mapping and what Lake Master and then when when they went proprietary to Humminbird, I'll tell you what, it's you can't beat it. It's the best one out there. Little known secret, when I left my job. It, this is 2005. Lake Master was still an independent company owned by a gentleman named Mike Wood. And Mike and I, Mike had sponsored me with Lake Master. And I would, when I didn't have guide trips lined up and when I was not on the road tournament fishing, Mike would have me in one of his mapping boats. And I helped him map Rainy. We mapped a lot of different waters and there would be a whole crew. And, and I can tell you that those maps are so good because of everything we wrecked. I mean, I knocked off lower units finding <laughs> rock piles. And I, I mean, there's a reason they're so good. You're actually surveying that whole lake. And man, I'll tell you, it was, it was a neat experience because it helped me understand too, how structures laid out and, and how to pick them apart. Because as I was mapping, I'm seeing fish where they're at as well. Oh, right. So, you know, I'm watching that map draw on my screen and I'm seeing fish and I'm thinking, well, geez, every single fish in this body of water is on the, the gradual sloping side of a structure or whatever it may be. So as as boring as that water. gets after hours, the learning potential is just incredible. Yeah, I, I would map, I would be in that boat for 10 to 12 hours a day and it would be fun from beginning to end. Because of the things you would find. When I do mine, I usually run seven, seven to nine hours typically and knock out yeah. whole sections of it. And the tunes are blaring and, mm -hmm. you know, as much as you can learn, it's still, you're there a long time. So, I mean, I, but I can tell when I took a friend with and we team would map, I would miss a mile of river here and there and be later on back looking at the map going, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But when you're making yeah. it, you're remembering it. Yeah. It's good stuff. You know, one of the things I do each year and uh, you know, a tip for all your all your listeners. I got to I got to break in a new boat every year, so I'm a little bit different there, but in the spring, man, the spring is a great time to go out and make maps of the lakes that you plan on fishing as the year goes on because the weed growth isn't up yet. It's a lot easier to map them, and I do it. I, You know, I got to do 10 to 15 hours of break-in on these boats each year. So I'll pick a couple lakes right around where I live. I live in the Bemidji area, and I just pick lakes that I wanted to fish, I wanted to learn more about, and I do my break-in right on those lakes with the map run, with the map function running, and I'm making my map as I go. And are they accurate enough that you're breaking stuff while you're breaking in? I'm a little <laughs> You don't want to admit to that, do Although, you? I, I will say that two years ago on my own lake, when I was mapping it after we moved up here, I think I found the only boulder in the lake, and I took a chunk out of my skag. But uh, I have you know, to ask that when you said that. How would I yeah. not? 
Yeah, I'm a little carefuler with my own bowl, but I'll tell you what, yeah, I did take a chunk out of my own skin. <laughs> yeah, well, two years ago, I knocked six props out in the same year. and I can see how it could happen. Prior to that year, I took two out ever, total. Yeah. So yeah. I've gotten good at changing props, let me tell you. <laughs> so... I'm really glad we talked about that, but I want to go back to another thing that you mentioned right before we went to that break, which was the making relationships. And I've found that I've been very fortunate, even though I'm kind of the oddball in the North, being the catfish guy, getting to know everybody in the industry has been very valuable and just no matter what they fish for and how they're involved in the industry itself. And it's paid big dividends, as you mentioned before we went to the break. Yeah, it's, you know, for me, it's been invaluable. Um, I was fortunate that I met a gentleman way, way, way back. His name was Mark Davis. The time Mark was running all the PR and marketing for Shakespeare and Fluger, and Fluger ended up being my boat wrap when I was fishing pro. Um, but through Mark, I, I ran a lot of press events. We brought a lot of writers in. You know, I you don't end up on magazines. Now magazines are not as big a deal anymore, but back when I was getting going in the industry, it was a big deal. I, I think I've been on 30 some magazine covers and in a hundred or some articles, but none of those were just by chance. They don't, those writers don't call you. I would take writers fishing. I would call them, seek them out and I would take them fishing and, and give them something to write about. Um, over the years, though, all those relationships, you know, I, again, you know, being with Pradco Fishing as long as I've been with them and, and all these different companies, I, it's invaluable. And I think that's maybe the biggest miss in a lot of the young folks that I see coming into the industry now is you're not going to be able to just break in by making YouTube videos and posting stuff on Instagram. You're going to need to build those relationships as well. And, and you know, it's not easy to do. It takes time. It's, it, it takes effort. It takes spending your own money to be in places where you can meet some of those people. You know, I, man, I've been at ICAST an awful lot of years to, to get to a point where I could meet a lot of these folks. But when I started Destination Fish, it was one of those scenarios where I was fortunate enough to have the anchor sponsors of the show I had those right people. I had their number in my cell phone and I built relationships with them over the years where they picked up when I called or when I talked to them at ICAST. I guess the biggest thing I would say for for young people getting into the sport now is, you know, do your best to build those relationships and and then be a person of your word. If you say you're going to do something for a company, do it and do it better than what you said you would. And if you do that, you can build those relationships. Because one thing I'm sure of is, Without those relationships, there would not have been a fish ed. There would not be a destination fish today. Quite frankly, I would probably still be working somewhere in corporate America. But, um, you know, yeah, it's important, Brad. You know it. I mean, you've been with Pure Fishing for a lot, a lot of years. And, and man, if you don't have those relationships, it's it's a tough road to Oh, yeah, that, that contract by itself was simply taking a couple of guys from Pure Fishing fishing. I didn't know yeah. who they were. They just ended up in my boat one morning and we all hit it off and we all have something to offer each other and we've all become friends and, yep. you know, hopefully I'm doing a good enough job to stay there from year to year to year. Yep. 
So I want to add to that where you talked about taking writers out and, you know, younger folks typically don't understand that anymore because there's just not that many writers bouncing around like there used to be. But, And I've had him on this show and I make no secret, but Brad Dawkin from the Grand Forks Herald is one of my best friends. And we were actually on a fishing trip once and he got an email from a resort asking why he never comes to their resort and he always goes to the resort down the road. And he was, we'll just say upset <laughs> about the email. And he put his phone away because we were in Canada having a fishing trip. We weren't working. And the next day he pops his phone out and he types a little bit. And he hits send. And I said, well, what'd you tell her? I said, did you invite me? And I was just starting out my fishing, my guiding career. And it was just like getting smashed in the side of the head with a baseball bat. Duh. And I got home and I started writing actual handwritten letters to every outdoor writer I could think of to get him in here and fish. And yep. I've got a pretty good relationship now with Fisherman. I got a pretty good relationship with Linder Media. I got a pretty good relationship with Midwest Outdoors. And most of that goes back to the, that letter writing. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the biggest thing that you have to realize trying to break into the industry and and number one social media has allowed for everybody to have a platform but i want to share this there we were having a conversation here myself and a, a few people a couple weeks ago about this one of the things that has happened though is social media has become so saturated that if you're coming into this industry today and let's say you're new to it maybe you're five years into it here's the biggest thing Social media is not allowing a lot of people to set themselves apart because there are so many people out there getting into it through that venue. It, again, it comes back to some of the relationships and, and trying to build those relationships. Um, it's, it, it's a big deal to get that relationship with Brad Dawkins because Brad Dawkins can give you a venue, like you said, that is different than what everybody else is doing on Instagram or what everybody's doing on Facebook or on YouTube. Um, and the other thing I would say is there was a point in my career when I was a tournament fisherman that my job was to figure fish out and then not tell anybody about it. And one of the things I learned over time was I could further my career if I was willing to give up the secrets that I found and teach people something that was going to help them catch more fish with their kid next Saturday. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. My wife and I are on Mille Lacs Lake right, three, four years ago. We're just, we're sitting on a little spot that I used to guide on tournament fish on. Nobody's in the neighborhood. Nobody's around. And my wife's just windmilling fish over the side of the boat. I'm, I'm barely fishing. I mean, there, there were a lot of walleyes that were all eating. And this boat kind of drifted by. It was, a, it was a young kid and his dad. And you could hear the kid in the boat. He didn't understand how you can hear things across the water. And he was saying, Dad, she's got another one. And this went on and on. <laughs> it was <laughs> all of a sudden, they just, they just flat out moved in on me. I mean, they just got in right on top of me. And I just, I looked at my wife and, and I calmly said, there's another rock pile right over here. Let's just go over there and let them have this one. But we kept watching and they never caught a fish. 
And before we left, you know, we got to a point, okay, that's enough. Let's go in. I motored over there and I said, Hey guys, can I, can I help you out a little bit? And they were just dumbfounded that I was willing to do that. And I gave them still floats. I gave them some Lindy live bait jigs in the right colors. I explained to them that you won't catch these fish fishing six inches to a foot off the bottom. You'll be three feet off the bottom because they're coming off the edge of this rock pile at three feet. Well, I can't see down. They're not just going down and eat. So we gave them the whole ticket. And I wound that boat up and I raced north and figured I'd never hear from them again. That afternoon, we're sitting on the deck. This is our camper at Mille Lacs. And my phone rang. It was my daughter. And my, my grown daughter, she's in her late 20s. In fact, today's her birthday. And she she said to me, Dad, did you just go up to some a, a guy and his kid on Mille Lacs and give him some stuff? And I said, I did. And she said, they're just giddy. They're catching fish like crazy. That is my husband's, one of my husband's customers. So it just goes to show you what a small world the whole thing can be. And you got to just... Always know that you got to be doing the right thing. But I will tell you one of the greatest secrets to my success, whether it's been TV, magazines, internet, whatever it is, is teaching people to fish. If you're coming into the industry and you're not teaching people to fish, you're not going to be watched for long. Because what people want to know is how they can do better. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of days, and Brad probably remembers this in the boat, this isn't about me. And that's the way I've always looked at it. This is not about me. This is about helping people catch fish and enjoy going fishing. And if you can if you can look at it that way, and I know Brad does. I mean, he didn't even want to reel a fish in that day. He he made me reel all the fish until the last one. And I finally said, you got to reel one. I'm a better net um, man than reeler. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. If, if you keep that in mind, give something to people, whether it's through YouTube. Facebook, Instagram, give them something that's going to help them and it's going to help you in the long run. Well, that's why we bring guys like you on this podcast because that is valuable information for people trying to make it. Um, you know, something I tell guides, I get calls from a lot of starting out guides. And the first thing I, well, there's two things I tell them usually is when I get to their website, when they're on the phone is, number one, you're too cheap. <laughs> Raise your prices of a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, I get it. Well, why? <laughs> well, because people are going to see you as too cheap and something's wrong. That's why. Secondly, you need to take more people fishing because all I see here is pictures of you holding fish and nobody cares about you. Right. If you're going to guide. Yep. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> well, hey, there's a lot of truth to that, especially as a guide. Um, I, I guess I would throw in this too. You know, be who you are. Um, I, I think in the big picture – you know, get in the boat, enjoy the time with people, make sure they enjoy it, be who you are, and uh, you'll be just fine. Well, I assure you in my boat, you get what you get. You get a short, fat, bearded guy that pretty much tells it how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the deal. Between you and I, we have a lot of cutting to do on that show. <laughs> There's a lot of editing. Did we say some naughty words? <laughs> oh, we had a good time. I thought it was fun. I learned a lot, and that's why you're sitting on the other end of the of this call because, I mean, wow. between fish, we talked about a lot of business and things and you don't get a lot of those conversations i find anymore yeah and, and 
you know, I go back to, like I told you about that gentleman named Mark Davis or Bruce Stanton at Pradco. Um, I've been fortunate enough to meet some of the right people that along the way have helped me. And I've always looked at it that, you know, if, if somebody wants to talk, wants to listen, um, man, I'll, I'll, I'll share what I can to help somebody. That is one thing I would tell you too, that I would add to all of that is be willing to listen more than you talk. If you're a young person getting into this, um, it seems like we live in a world today where everybody wants to talk. And if there's one thing I can tell you, I did for my first five years at Pradco while I was in the marketing side of it is I listened. And when it was time for them to find a national sales manager, they didn't go looking. They, they gave it to me, but I had spent a lot of time listening and learning. And, and, you know, to this day, I spend a lot of time, kind of quietly listening a lot of times when I'm in the company that I know I can learn something. And, and there's always something to learn. I mean, heck, I know a little bit about catfishing today. But you, you know yeah, enough that you could be pretty successful. You could be pretty successful now. I know you could just from that no. afternoon. I, you know, I learned enough to maybe be dangerous, but I think we're still going to fish together. I hope so. You know, a couple of guys that are, you know, at the end of their careers now that – really taught me a lot and didn't even really know it was the Glorvigan brothers working shows with them and just spending time with them. Just genuinely nice guys who took the time to just visit about things. Yeah. And and they've been that way with everybody in the industry. That's interesting. You bring them up because I was standing next to Marty Glorvigan in Bull Shoals, Arkansas. One time we were both waiting for our Ottoman paychecks and it was Marty Glorvigan who said, man, just stay at it. Stay at it, man. You're doing fine. It'll work itself out. And, it, you know, there was more to the conversation that day, but, I mean, he didn't know that to me. You know, I, I was actually sulking about this bad paycheck, and he was telling me, hey, you should be happy with where you're at right now. So, yeah, great people. Great people in general. Yeah. Well, the one time I was at ICAST, since you bring Marty in particular up, the one time I was at ICAST, he found me in the crowd and said, you found your niche, you're sticking to it, and don't look back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to look at it. So, I mean, when a guy like that says that, I guess you did something right, because then people don't normally say things like that. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think you'd find, for the most part, um, that they're another pair of guys who have always been willing to teach people. And, and share their secrets. Exactly. Yeah, true. No, I, I think I think that's a little bit rare in the industry we're in because there's this huge competition level that we all feel like we have. But I'll tell you a great example. I was on the phone a few days ago with Mike Frisch from Fishing in the Midwest. Mike and I are friends. Um, you know, we don't we don't very often bump heads when we're looking at, at sponsor acquisition. But the truth of the matter is we might, but yet we're still friends. And, and uh, yeah, it's a small industry. I mean, you never know when somebody can help you out a little bit. You, you never know when they can help you catch a few more fish or help you with the sponsor. Exactly. Just, so, no you know, my last question of the day before I wrap this up was getting young people into the fishing industry. And I didn't even have to ask it because you did it. You've told me the story, and I mean, how cool is that? I didn't even have to ask it. So, But we're wrapping to the end here. Um, 
destination fish currently in the season? How do we get people to see your show and where is it distributed at and what's coming up? Okay, Valley Sports North, Valley Sports Midwest. So the 10 states that strip down the center of the United States, 8.30 Sunday mornings. Then you can also find it on the Destination Fish YouTube channel. We put it out in webisode format so that you have the ability to watch a 12-minute version. So if you're at work and you don't got a half hour to dedicate to it, you can watch a 12-minute segment. So I, I think that segment Brad and I shot together will be coming up here pretty soon. Um, get that out. And then also Destination Fish starting next week. You're going to be able to find us on, on uh, KOTV your Roku devices. And then on top of that, Valley Sports is now working with Fubu TV. So if you're into streaming, you're going to have some streaming options there as well. We're, we're expanding our, our reach a little bit through some streaming stuff right now. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it. So whether you're watching it on TV, streaming it, finding it on the internet. Awesome. John, I want to thank you once again for joining us. I realize we talked some catfishing even though we didn't talk a ton of it on a catfish show, but it, I think the message was what I wanted people to hear, which is, you know, a guy who's gone through basically everything, been to the top, still at the top, but you've written your own book and your own chapters and done it your way. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words. I, I, uh, I don't, I don't know that I look at, at, I've never aimed at, you know, what's the top, but I've always enjoyed what I'm doing. And uh, I, I figure I've got a long ways to go yet. There's a lot of guys who have gotten a lot further than I have. And, and you know, I'm just having fun chasing them. Well, once again, thanks for joining us here on Catfish Best Source. Let's talk chiller bait tanks for a minute. Everyone in catfishing knows a fresh bait is the key to success. Keep your fre bait fresh and alive longer with chiller bait tanks. Chiller bait tanks are the only fully insulated roller mold tank on the market, making them the most durable tank on the market. Chiller bait tanks offers patent-pending operating systems for controlling the gases in marine storage tanks. Air is comprised of 78% nitrogen and 21% oxygen. We focus on that 21% oxygen. We extract it, put it into our pump bay, confining all the bubble agitation to keep your bait healthier. Available in 30 and 45 gallon models, both include free shipping. Each tank includes our three-stage quick change filters and customizable power cord. Chiller bait tanks are compact and durable and give you many years of worry-free bait keeping. For your information or to buy your last bait tank now, check them out at chillerbaittank.com. Well, that does it for another episode of Catfish Best Source. Once again, our three, Season 3 sponsors, Half Brothers Brewing Company, Thunder Rays Auto Repair, Brothers Firearms, Muskox Snowblowers, and Chiller Bait Tanks. Between now and next week, check out all the shows on Grand Forks Best Source. Check out their full show list at gfbestsource.com. If you would like to check out old episodes of Catfish Best Source, go to redrivercatfish.com, click the podcast button. To book a guide trip or learn more information about me, go to redrivercatfish.com, find me on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you next week. Roll that beautiful...